0: World. Welcome to the Wisconsin Way Podcast, the only Wisconsin Badgers basketball podcast that will readily admit we were completely wrong predicting the Michigan game, but that's not going to stop us from predicting wins versus Purdue, Michigan State, and in the Big Ten tournament. We, if you want to check us out on Twitter at the Wisconsin Way, or you can email us any schemes that you might have to get Josh Goshler another year of eligibility at the Wisconsin Way at gmail.com. I am Scott, your resident badger maniac, and I'm joined by Sham. How's it going, Sham?
1: It's going pretty well. Uh, recovering from a long day of Twitter arguments about the uh, temperature of Greg Gard's seat. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the mood. The lights are dimmed. <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh,
0: we've got a uh, special guest that's going to join us here for the breakdown today. Um, we're going to get him on the Skype call and we'll be right back.
1: We're now joined by Keaton uh best known for being a 2008 Big Ten basketball champion, tournament, and regular season. Keaton, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing well, and uh, don't forget to mention I'm second best known for being Scott's roommate for three years in college. Oh, you guys still talk about that? <laughs> I, <laughs> occasionally.
0: I was going to go with uh, second best known for uh, being a bang shot specialist versus Purdue.
2: Also true, yes. <laughs>
0: All right, guys, so uh, let's get into the game here. Uh, Sean, what were your, your first thoughts after the the Michigan game? I know we're going to try and be uh, outlandishly optimistic, and it's going to be tough, so what you got um, for us?
1: Can Aaron Mache qualify as a first thought? Um, yeah, of course, man. Go Aaron maye 13 minutes. Uh, held his own out there for all you can expect him to do. Um, but obviously, um, a lot of different things were lacking yesterday, especially on the defensive end, I thought. I appreciated the fight from the guys, uh, but really, I went away, of course, uh, being optimistic about the way Brevin Pritzel played and and looking forward to some more performances like that. I think he uh, strung together another good game for for him, and, and we're looking forward to more. Keaton, you were in the house for the game
0: on Sunday, correct? Yeah. All right. What, uh, I have not been to an actual Badger basketball game this year, which might be my first year ever in my life that I haven't. Uh, what did you notice from the team uh, being in the house?
2: Yeah, a big positive for me, honestly, was uh, game management. They obviously started out slow. Um, we're climbing back in it. But to pull it in the way they did toward the end of the game, whether it was Gardo or whoever was leading that um, with the fouling and all that stuff, they managed the game well. And actually put themselves in a position to climb back, but, um, you know, kind of the inability to score, no matter how well you game plan it, if you're not scoring, it doesn't look that good. But I thought they did a nice job managing
1: that part of the game. I just knew some of those stupid threes by Duncan Robinson and uh, Mo Wagner in the first half were going to end up being the difference. And I'm sad to say I was, you know, probably right.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure I predicted a nice solid Badger win last week on the podcast, so uh, I'm just going to eat crow on that one. Uh, I could not have been more wrong. But that game uh, just felt like it was going to snowball about three, four minutes into the first half. It just did not seem like Michigan was going to miss a shot the entire game. It was pretty tough to watch.
2: Michigan does a really nice job with a lot of things, and obviously Beeline does a great job with shooters. Um, The one thing I will say being in the arena for the first time this year is it's a different energy right now and you feel it you know the guys obviously going through what they go through lose confidence but I felt it in the crowd for the first time I've ever felt it in the Kohl Center where it honestly felt like nobody
1: thought we could win that game and it was sad it, it kind of broke my heart a little bit well I think it's tough because just the way Michigan's played and I think the last couple of years Beeline's done a good job of constructing really technically sound offenses and usually they have four or five guys who can shoot and put the ball on the floor Um, and and against a defense like ours which you know typically does its best to stay positionally sound and fundamentally sound you know over the course of the game they just poke holes in it by being um, just relentless and athletic and and have multiple ways to score on you. Um, and and kind of when you're faced with that from the from the onslaught, it seemed like we were just overwhelmed from the from the tip. Yeah, overwhelms is a good way to put it. I think.
0: All right, can we take a, a hard turn towards optimism since uh, there was, I think, hopefully a couple shreds of optimism from the game on Saturday or on Sunday.
2: Um, I'll pick back. I'll piggyback off, Sham. I thought mage. I I love what mage does for this team. Um. That's a guy who doesn't get many minutes, and in the situation he's in, he always comes out and gives them something positive. And, you know, he's he's running out of time as a as an elder statesman, but, man, he, he does some really nice stuff on the floor.
0: Yeah, it's – you know, Aaron Mesh in past years um, maybe would have seen a few spot minutes here and there. Uh, but on this team, it's really striking the difference between just how he positions himself on defense – how he clears space and rebounds and uh, how he, you know, really rotates and sells out uh, in the man-to-man half-court defense because we do such a horrible job of that as a team. When you have a guy like him on the floor, he becomes a pretty big asset um, with a, a team that really struggles as a unit to, to be cohesive with uh, with their half-court defense. So it's, uh, it's, it's even more striking this year than most to see him. It- Uh, see him on the floor with those other guys. It's
1: interesting because I think it seems like um, Alex Hillelkanen gets his one shot on defense. And I think yesterday, I think right away, he left uh, Duncan Robinson wide open um, for a three. And I think that was uh, the end of his time in the game. But uh, Aaron Mache, I think he's always, for the lack of a better term, I think he's always just not screwing up too bad. Um, and and he always seems to find his way to to get a rebound or two. So. And he knocked in another three yesterday, so that's my guy.
2: Yeah, he's good. He's real good. Should we call it the Kevin
0: Gullickson effect? Just sneaking in there and managing to eke out some minutes because you just don't screw anything up?
2: Yeah, I mean, the hard part is is with their lack of scoring, you can't afford sometimes to have another guy who's not screwing up on the floor. But he does a lot of other positive stuff that maybe enables somebody to score. So, you know, I don't know what the risk reward is on him, but I-, I wouldn't mind seeing him on the floor a little bit more as they wrap up the season, if nothing else, as a sign of respect for what he's done.
0: Can we just give a quick shout out to uh, Alex and You just mentioned him, Sean. Uh, he was the first sub off the bench, if my... Uh, game notes are correct. He immediately left Duncan Robinson on a, a rotation. He left him wide open and didn't close out to him, and he immediately got yanked. So he actually uh, joined the uh, Club Trillion book. Um, he has a, a complete zero stat line other than his last Yeah, I think play. the problem with
1: the uh, Trillion is that it's supposed to happen at the end of the game, not as a first sub off the bench. Yeah. <laughs> That might be uh we that might be a a
0: unique happening that might not be something that's ever been repeated to be the first sub off the bench and still be a member of club mm-hmm. trillion
1: yeah and Keaton, you just mentioned um the team just doesn't have enough offense to have another guy out there who who can't really do anything besides not screw up and I think yesterday was you know this team's been going the whole season, but having both happened, Iverson on the court at the same time really kind of hamstrings us because neither are a threat to shoot um. And it just it just sags the defense all over the place, and you know we were talking today a little bit too that even when Hap tries to set those ball screens late in the shot clock, it really just brings an extra man to Brad uh, and makes it makes it tough to create anything late shot clock because Brad really can't do anything unless he's got a screen. So uh, you know another thing to look forward is hopefully some development from Nate Reavers to maybe become that guy, maybe be that late late shot clock ball screen guy.
2: Yeah, I don't know what the stats are on the year and who's leading scoring averages and all that, but I would assume Khalil and definitely Ethan are top two or maybe Khalil's third. But I can't remember a time when we've had a team with two of the more potent scores um, really being limited to inside the paint and the foul line. It just, um, some of the spacing looks weird. And Michigan was an interesting game to see live because of the contrast of how well-spaced Michigan stays the entire game and kind of the inexperience and um, sometimes awkward spacing the Badgers get into just because they're not, you know, used to playing a little free. If somebody puts the ball on the floor out of position, they, they don't react as well. And to see the contrast on the other end of Michigan, it's like they have, you know, oh, when young coaches say, like, keep a string the same distance between all the players, It's they run it to perfection. And it, it was a really um, interesting thing to see.
0: I might be getting a little out of line here, but I'm just gonna just irrationally jump onto the Andy Van Vliet bandwagon here, real quick. <laughs> um, I know only he played a couple minutes, Tell but me. if Van Vliet could, <laughs> if he could just be a poor man's Nate Reavers, and I know that might be backwards, uh, comparing a guy who's a, a junior to a freshman, but Van Vliet just brings a a you know a height, size, length combination, along with that real pure jump shot from three that just looks effortless that we just don't see a lot of and uh, can really help space the floor. He can get his shot off at any time over anybody if he wants to. We just don't have enough guys like that in this offense right now. Dare I say he brings a little bit of a a Keaton Nankoville effect to the team. I wish I could shoot like that. (laughs) <laughs> it just, you know, he had that one shot from the the right wing and it just, he's got a, a real pure stroke. And it's one of those things that when those guys have it, you got to find a way to get him on the floor. And uh, I, I hope that maybe going forward the next couple weeks here, um, he finds some, we can find him some spots to to get him some minutes. Um, I don't know how much longer he's going to be in the program for. It just seems like uh, he's, you know, the 11th man in a 10 man rotation right now. But he does bring a lot of things to the table if there's a way that we can find him uh, some PT.
2: What do you guys think going forward? I mean, finishing up the season, you never want to look too far beyond. And, um, you know, I, I, am certainly not a fan of questioning Gardo right now. Cause I think he gets an undue amount of criticism for what's going on. But what do you think in terms of giving guys like Andy, a few more minutes just to build some experience in a, a lower pressure, but also good competition, you know, it, If you play a preseason game or a a non-conference game, it's maybe not the best competition. And if you play late in the season, typically it's high pressure. And this is kind of a unique situation to get guys like Andy or Alex. Um, You know, Nate's getting his minutes. But those kind of guys, a little extra time on the floor. What do you think
1: are – how do you think Gardo could balance that? I certainly think it'll be uh, Um, important to get some of these guys' minutes if they're going to play next season – um, and I, I don't know what, what the locker room situation is. And, you know, I've heard certain things about Andy have come up. And, you know, Coach Kravenhoff made a comment that there's a few non-negotiable things that you have to do in practice uh, in order to earn playing time. Um, and that was in reference to Andy Van Vliet when he was uh, kind of mysteriously benched. But I, I'm i in full uh, full support of getting any of these guys' minutes, these younger guys' minutes like Andy um, and even Charlie to get get some time on the court if they're going to play next year to get the experience because um guys like uh, teams like Minnesota, Northwestern, Michigan State like they'll there'll be guys back that they're going to be playing against next year hopefully with a little more on the line yeah. um and you know game experience can't hurt but at the same time I'm sure Gardo's trying to balance a culture too and if if people aren't doing the right yeah. thing in in practice it, he you know I don't I don't blame him for not wanting to play them Yeah, it's got to be a hard line to walk.
0: Keaton, I want to throw this one back at you. You were part of a team in 2008-2009 that lost six straight Big Ten games at one point. And this Badger team just came off of five straight Big Ten losses here going into that Illinois game last week. Um, what is the, the locker room like in a situation where you guys haven't seen a, a win in weeks? And what, uh, what do Gardo and, and Coach Moore and those guys, how, how do they react to kind of push through and keep people, keep uh, guys focused on, on every day and practice in every game?
2: Yeah, it's hard. You know, when we were part of that like, five-game skid, It feels like every day is 48 hours long and um, you feel like it's all eyes on you. I I really feel for the guys on campus right now. It feels like everybody's looking at you when you go to class or whatever. Um, I can't speak to their locker room. I'm never in it. I only see the guys from time to time. I know in our locker room, the biggest thing we had going for us was we like we truly loved each other. So it was like, um, you know, when you see Joe and Marcus taking responsibility for that five game skid, You just play harder. I don't know. um, Like I said, I don't know what's going on in their locker room. But it's funny, you know, we came back this weekend for a little ceremony for a 10-year anniversary of the team the year before that. And you still feel like a certain amount of love for these guys. And um, I think that's something that never leaves when you have a group like that. I hope this group has an element of that in them because you never want to look back in 10 years and say, man, I could have done more for these guys on the court or, or you know, even lose those relationships, that'd be, you know, the worst thing to happen. But I think they fight for each other. You saw it in the Illinois game. they you know, it, it may be inconsistent, but they fight for each other. They care about each other. And like Sean was saying, culture is going to be the most important thing. It, it certainly supersedes skill on the floor. It, you know, Gardo needs to keep driving the culture home, and I think he does a good job of it.
0: Looking at the box score from the Michigan game, if we're going to talk about you know accountability and building that culture through practice and rewarding with playing time, uh, Charlie Thomas had one minute, uh, Andy Van Vliet had two minutes, and Alex Illacanen had a less than one minute on the box score for credit. So... We've talked a lot about the 2015 class. Uh, you know, Khalil had 33 minutes, and and Brevin played 35. Um, so obviously, we're we're getting some sort of success out of that class. But it's it's tough when you need another big who can bring something to the table. You need a guy who can you know at least play defense and get five fouls. And we're just not getting a lot out of those three guys right now. Sean, what do you think uh, the likelihood is of all three of those guys being in the program a year from now?
1: Um, my guess would be. With the, the pursuit of a couple spring guys that we've been doing and are currently doing and like some spring signings for the 2018 class, uh, I, I would anticipate the staff is expecting uh, someone to be out of the program. Um, I don't think any of them will be eligible to grad transfer besides Ethan Happ, and let's not discuss the possibility of that. Um, but I would, I wouldn't, I would, I would not be surprised if, uh, if one of Andy, Charlie or Alex was, was no longer in the program next year.
0: So looking ahead here, uh, there's uh, no days off cause we get Purdue here on Thursday. Um, Sham, what do you think you want to see? What are you hoping to see? Uh, versus Purdue at the Kohl Center here coming up on Thursday. Um,
1: The Purdue team scares me, and I talked about this on on Saturday's episode with the amount of guard firepower they can throw at us. Um, But, you know, I'd like to see Ethan Happ kind of perform on the defensive end a similar way he did against Haas the first time around. I think Haas had a little bit of trouble scoring, and I think Ethan kind of found his way as the game went on. Um, But really... If we, uh, I think this will be a really good test for our defense, and, you know, obviously we've been struggling quite a bit, but if we see a little bit of improvement, um, I think we got plenty of film uh, from, from Sunday's game against Michigan about not running guys off the line, not helping, things of that nature, bad ball screen defense, and, you know, I'd like to see the guys get in the film room, see that, um, and, and, you know, kind of work to fix some of those mistakes, and I think we have a great opportunity to at least show a little progress in that regard on Thursday.
0: Keaton, when you're going against a big like Haas, a guy who, you know, is not as mobile as a lot of other bigs, but is as big as a freaking house. Um, what are your ways going, going into the game? What are your, your some ways that you'd think to attack him? And what are what are Gardo and Coach Moore and those guys breaking down? How are they thinking they want to go after a guy like him?
2: Offensively, I don't know. He's a good shot blocker. He's gotten better with his positioning. Um, you know, it, it'd be so nice if Ethan could face up from about ten feet and shoot a little reverse pivot. But, you know, it's not in the cards right now. I think um, one thing I really remember from last game is how good of a job Nate did on him moving his feet on defense. And Nate gets whipped around in there because he's just a little bit light right now. But he fights, and I-, I was super proud of him. I thought he did a great job just being obnoxious with Haas last game. And Haas, it felt like the energy that they were putting in on defense frazzled him a bit. I, I remember he didn't have a great game. Um so yeah, I think I think you got to make him work on defense, and he'll win a couple of the one-on-one battles, but
1: maybe wear him down on that end, um, so he's not as effective on offense. Hey Scott, I got to add one more one more wish for my Purdue wish list. It's the same thing. I wish I wish for game. Uh, Khalil Iverson hits a three, ends the dry spell.
0: <laughs> Dude, you've been wishing for a long time, and those wishes might go unanswered for a while here. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Hey, um, I got a couple things that I want to throw at Keaton since uh, it's the 10 year anniversary of the the 2008 Big Ten championship team. Um, I was hoping we could close out with uh, a couple things from from his time at UW. You okay yes. with that, Sean? All right. So, Keaton, a um, couple weird stories for you. What's your couple weird questions for you? What's your your favorite boism or the weirdest boism that he would
2: ever say during practice? Oh man, he had so many. Um, I don't know you can, how,
0: you can say more than one. It's all right.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't know what words I can say in here though. Um, <laughs> we swear all the time. It's all good. It's only, only our moms that listen to us. It's all, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> the one, the one that picked up some steam and I don't remember if it was a couple years later or not, it kind of all blends together, but that he said, stick your nose in there like all the time. And it just became like this running joke of you got to stick your nose in everything, and we'd be talking about sticking our nose in the meal after <laughs> practice and sticking your nose in the laundry, like everything. It was just became this crazy joke, and it was hilarious.
0: I think the favorite one I ever heard was probably pissing up a rope. I don't know exactly what <laughs> pissing up a rope means.
2: I wish I knew how that came up. It, you know. <laughs> Have you I ever mean, figured it out what like that a means? problem? No, it sounds like a problem, and I've never attempted to piss up a rope because I don't know what it is, but I know it's bad from whatever Coach Ryan said.
0: That's uh, one of the, the best ones that I've, I've heard over the years, and I still have no idea what it means. I don't know if that's Googleable or not. I'm not even sure that's something that we could look up on the internet. You might have to no, just that's... go to Bo directly to figure that one out.
2: You might have to go to Philly to figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, Keaton, when you were, uh, getting recruited, uh, what was your, your weirdest, uh, recruiting story? What was the weirdest thing that a coach said to you? Man, you I feel like school?
2: you're, I feel like you're asking this question cause you remember the story.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping was, that I can pull a couple good ones out of you. Yeah.
2: You know, um, you know, my family sometimes lacks boundaries. And I remember coach Ryan called one night when we were having dinner and of course I put him on speakerphone. And I don't know how it came up, but he started giving me a recipe for fried fish that involved running over a bag of Ritz crackers with your car over and over to get like a crust on the fish. <laughs> and I promise you, I put the phone on speaker and he talked for 10 minutes and we were just moving around the kitchen, like doing our thing. And he didn't stop and nobody answered or anything. And it was the most bizarre, hilarious thing. And it was endearing. I mean, it, it was one of those things that I was like, yeah, this guy, you know, I could play for him.
1: <laughs> Did you try it or no? You're a, a sucker.
2: I never tried it. We uh we had our own fish recipe. I don't know Ritz Cracker recipe. <laughs> All
1: right, I got one for you, Keaton. <laughs> All right. Um. So back yeah. when you guys would go up to Minnesota and you guys would do kind of that that slide drill to save the ball and and safely roll off the yeah. court, who had who had the worst yep. one?
2: It was it your. was me. Um. Yeah, I never committed. He only made freshmen do it, so I like. And I was so timid back then. I just, like, wouldn't commit to doing it. And he made me do it, like, four or five times. And I was so embarrassed. But, yeah, I mean, looking back on it, I probably deserved it. I was – it was a half-assed effort the whole time.
0: I will throw this at you, though, Keaton. I think uh, the first time you took a charge your sophomore year, I don't think anybody in the gym was more excited than Bo. I think that he had been trying to beat into you to, to stick your nose in it for, for two years at that point, that when when you finally actually took one, he like jumped about six feet in the air.
2: The first charge I took was in the NCAA tournament, I think against Florida State.
0: Uh, yeah, I, it was right at the end of the year.
2: Yeah, the game where pop went off in the second half and, you know, uh, we were like a 12 seed that, that upset the five seed that year. And I had been telling Coach Ryan all year, I said, the first time I take a charge, I'm going to give you a hug. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, I got some playing time that game, and I ended up taking a charge maybe in the second half, and they, you know, we were shooting free throws a play or two later, and I walked over to the bench, and I gave him a hug, and he, like, kind of smirked at me, and then he was like, get off me, we got to finish playing this game, and it was like, I just had to follow through on what I said, but I was like, I don't need to hug this guy right now.
0: (laughs) Dude, if I remember correctly, it was a, like you flopped your ass off, too, didn't you? I'm sure I <laughs> like, did. It was it was really bad. Like the dude like was kind of like trying to get around you and you just like flopped backwards. <laughs> yeah,
2: it was probably pretty desperate.
0: <laughs> Funny that you could be so bad as a sophomore, but you ended up being a, a pretty good uh, charge taker, not quite on Brad Davidson's level, but you Isn't ended up anybody? taking quite a few the next couple of years.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was what kept me on the floor. I mean, he. He was very clear. He said, if you're not going to do that, I can't play you. So I had to learn.
0: All right. So since we are the eternally optimistic Badgers podcast, one last question here for you, Keaton. What was your uh, your highlight from your four years at UW, uh, basketball or
2: otherwise? Basketball or otherwise? I don't know, man. It's hard to say one thing. We had some good times. And uh, like I said, for these young guys, it's uh, it's important to remember that these are relationships that keep going. I mean, we had a blast on Sunday. And, you know, it's just getting 15 guys back together and having a good time. And I don't know. I don't remember much of the basketball, to be honest with you. I have a bad memory for it. So to be able to keep these relationships and be able to joke around with guys 10 years later is pretty cool. I
0: was really hoping you were going to say that one time that uh, Ian Markoff punched our window in. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> that would have fallen the otherwise category, yeah. Huh?
0: Yeah, I guess yeah. the otherwise. That's what I was I was hoping for. I was trying to lead you into that one, but it's all this right. I'm glad you squirmed out of it. Uh, yeah, this is
2: why I live with you, so you can yeah, help remember kill. these things.
1: Uh, ball screen defense. <laughs> all right, Sean, you got anything soft else, hedge, man? hard hedge switch.
2: Um
1: soft
2: hedge. <laughs> I'm gonna start with the easy one. I'm gonna kill the soft hedge.
1: Oh wow. Oh. Bo is yeah. a fan. Yeah, right I hope now. Bo doesn't listen to that. Oh. I, know, I
2: know here's the thing. Here's the thing, and I truly believe this. I think Bo would kill the soft hedge too. I think he did it because um, it works in college, but a hard hedge is like objectively a better defense. And that's why I'm going to marry the hard hedge.
0: Wow. Uh, Tony Bennett is so honored right now.
2: Yeah. I mean, a hard hedge is a lifer. If you if it's like a good relationship, you got to work at it. (laughs) But if you do, if you do, it's it serves you well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So wait, so you you killed soft hedge. Yep. You married hard hedge. Yep. So you're fucking full
2: switch. Um, yeah, I am because um, I'm totally I think it, in that.
0: <laughs> it's.
2: <laughs> oh, 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 boy. Keep All cut. right.
0: Well, there goes. I think that's our episode name. <laughs> 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 so one more time, Keaton. So the under 10 second official Bo Ryan Gardo oh, yeah. defense is the full switch.
2: Yep.
0: And you're going to fuck is- the full switch.
2: It's the right, it's the right move under ten seconds, um, and I, I am, I am doing that to the full switch because it's exciting, um, but it's unpredictable, and so uh, for that for that reason, I'm taking the steady Mary on the on the hard hedge if you can get it, and the full switch is a little bit more of a a wheel and deal, a little excitement.
1: Yeah, the full switch, you probably you feel you know you feel good in the morning, maybe once you get lucky, but yeah, yeah. but you know more often <laughs> than not, it's gonna it's gonna screw you figuratively yeah uh, well and literally um it comes if, it comes if back you, to if you, you. Yeah. give it enough time yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. so maybe Guys, late don't late don't in if, the clock uh, late in the clock is probably a good time yeah late to, in the clock makes sense it. yep yep 2
0: a.m and there's 10 seconds left on the shot clock that's when you go with the full switch
1: <laughs> that's where we'll leave it <laughs> all right
0: Hey, Keaton, thank you for, uh, for being on, man. Thanks for uh, for for helping us out with this one. It's uh, always tough to come on after a loss, but uh, you definitely uh, made it a, a little bit more fun to go through.
2: Thanks, guys. Hey, anybody listening to this, listen to Wisconsin Way.
0: Hey, so thanks, guys. This is uh, Scott and Sham and Keaton signing off. Uh, we are the Wisconsin Way podcast. Check us out on Twitter, at the Wisconsin Way, and uh, give us emails of any ideas you have to defend Tyus Jones at Way at gmail.com. Thanks, y'all.